Welcome to A Not-So-Typical Life. My name is Larry Fish, your host, along with my sister, Laura Tobia. And our goal is to bring laughter and hope to siblings impacted by developmental disabilities. And now, A Not-So-Typical Life, Larry and Laura. Welcome to A Not-So-Typical Life. On the line with me is my sister, Laura Tobia. My name is Larry Fish, and welcome to A Not-So-Typical Life. Um, my sister and I are both, uh, we, are, we have two uh, siblings with developmental disabilities. And uh, Laura, you chose to pursue this as a lifelong career as a yep. special ed teacher. Correct. And I've been wanting to do something like this. Um, we had, uh, again, a not-so-typical family in the fact that uh, our parents were kind of pioneers of a lot. I mean, Mom was even involved, Laura, with uh, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Do you remember that? Vaguely. That was, you know, back when I, I was pretty young then. But I do remember um, Mom and Dad blazed a lot of trails um, when it came to um, individual rights with disabilities and um, advocacy and education and, um, you know, working with congressmen and state senators to, um, you know, just, just blaze trails for years from, you know, the late seventies on. I remember mom making a, a couple of trips to Albany when they were developing the ADA in the, in the mid eighties. And back yep. then it was called the COH, the committee on the, of the handicapped. Yeah. And uh, they went out there, she went out there multiple times and they were asking parents, what, what is it that is difficult when you go out or, and how they have ramps now everywhere and wheelchair accessible, uh, all those changes. Mom, mom was out there making a lot of suggestions. So I don't know. I'm proud of that. You know, Laura, I mean, it's just yeah. uh, because our whole, the entire country is different now because of that. That's one of, in my opinion, what a uh, Reagan's greatest achievements as president and uh, because yeah. it it did change a lot and there were times we there were things we couldn't do back then you know because it was too difficult as far as the number of handicapped parking spots um or just to access to the building with 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 Billy so right why don't you what why don't you jump in and just give a little bit of basis about John and Billy and talk about their diagnosis and then um, I thought a good thing to do was begin with uh, some writing that mom did the day John John moved out into the group home. But why don't you talk about John and Billy and uh, their diagnosis and stuff? Yeah, so so there's four of us, four children in our family, Larry, you being the oldest. Um, and then I came along shortly after you were born, not even a year later. Yeah, I was twins, um, yep. Irish twins. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so things were, you know, a very typical life for mom and dad when we, when it was just you and I. And then in 1972, John was born. And then in 1973, Billy was born. So mom, mom got married in 1969. Mom and dad got married in 69. And, uh, 68. I, just, I was born I'm in sorry. 69. You're right. Yeah. yeah. What am I thinking? 1968. You were born in 69. Mom 69. just rolled over. Oh, my God. I was yeah. <laughs> married before yeah. I was yeah. pregnant. <laughs> yeah, no, let me clarify. My mother was married October. in October of 68, and uh, Larry was born in August of 69. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and just then I was 50. born in 50. Yeah, just turned 50. Just turned 50. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so by 1973, Mom had four kids. Um, so she was busy. She was a very busy young mom. Um, but, you know, shortly after John was born, he experienced some serious medical complications with his heart. Um, and they, um, you know, took him to doctors and they found that he had a atrial septal defect in his heart, which essentially was a hole in his heart. So his heart was not functioning properly. Um, they were going to um, I remember mom and dad telling us that they were planning to do surgery um, because John wasn't doing well at all. And they ended up, they, they were going to have to close the hole of his heart. And miraculously, John had what they call 
a spontaneous closure from that hole in his heart. So, um, you know, things started to look better, I think, you know, for mom and dad. And, and, you know, vaguely, this is where my earliest memories are of when, you know, John and Billy were small. And I remember, you know, John starting to display some very odd behaviors, um, doing strange things that, you know, a typical toddler doesn't do, um, rocking, um, doing kind of a lot of stimulating behaviors where he would spin plates and, and then slap his hands. A lot of repetitive behaviors, and then he stopped talking. Um, he had had simple language before, um, you know, before he started displaying these behaviors, and then he stopped talking, and he started making noises and grunts and just vocalizations, but no language. Yeah, those are some and of my first memories there. When that, when everything, when he was about two and a half, which two and a half or three, which would have made us five and four or six and five yeah about that yeah yeah so we were pretty young but things started to change rapidly in our home um so you know we went from having a very typical american family you know kids the dog white picket fence house and things started to change rapidly um so mom and dad sought out you know they were trying to figure out i remember mom telling me the stories, trying to figure out what was going on with John. And they went from one diagnosis after another, um, from John had schizophrenia to maybe he's deaf. Um, they actually told mom that it was her fault, um, that, that she received, that she must not have bonded with John. And they called it refrigerator mother. Yeah, I remember that. That's back yeah. when autism was one in about 15,000, which, Correct. you know, they say it might've been, more than that, it wasn't being diagnosed as easily, but it was still not what it is today. And what is that statistic now? One in 80? One in 68 one is in the 68. latest statistic. One yes, in that's the latest one that I saw was one in 68 children um, are being diagnosed with autism. So, or, you know, and that, and that varies. And someday we'll get into the discussion of, you know, the, the, the functionality of individuals with autism, it varies greatly, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, but when John was diagnosed, I remember mom saying that the, she thought the statistics then were somewhere around, like you said, one in 10 to one in 15,000. Right. Um, and, and actually, you know, she had, they had sought out professional after professional after professional opinion, and they just couldn't come up with a, a firm diagnosis. And, um, Mom said that she was laying awake one night watching TV, and and I, I hope I'm right when I say this that the actor on TV was Paul Newman, and he was talking about his grandson and the the behaviors that his grandson was displaying, and um, uh, so they matched John's behaviors like identically, so Mom started to pursue that you know um, thought process with doctors and psychologists and sure enough John was diagnosed with autism somewhere around he was born in 72 so I'm going to say it was probably somewhere around 1974 that he was diagnosed so right around that same time Billy keep in mind was about one year old um and mom had you know was so 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 busy with John and and when I when I you know when I when I talk about these behaviors I think that I can't I would never do them justice because our house had, you know, it sounds terrible to say, but it almost dissolved into pure chaos, you know, in a matter of probably eight to 12 months. Um, everything revolved around John and his behaviors and everything that was happening with him. Um, so, you know, Billy was an infant approaching a year old and mom started to notice that Billy wasn't making developmental milestones. Um, and that, you know, typical things that you see an infant do, whether it be beginning to hold their head up or, you know, crawling or um, sitting up and um, feeding themselves. And, you know, the pincher graphs that you wait to see with a, an infant that they can pick up a Cheerio off of a, off of a tray on a high chair and all of those kind of things. So the fine motor and the gross motor skills that, you know, infants start to develop, Billy was really lacking in them. Mm-hmm. And mom said that she remembers too that when she would change him, 
she seemed so stiff and he would wail if she moved his body in a certain way. So she started to notice things were, you know, not quite right with Billy either. And, you know, being it that it was 1974, diagnostics are not like they are now. And um, help and, you know, services that are available to families now weren't like they are now. Nowhere near um, Nowhere near yeah, it. Yeah, nowhere near it, no. Yeah, Mom said she spent, you know, countless hours at doctor's offices, them trying to, you know, much of it was dismissed. Um, you know, he'll be fine. You just need to spend a little more time with him and try to help him develop. And so mom said she really spent a lot of time with Billy trying to get him to develop with his motor skills. And it just wasn't happening. And so finally, you know, there's you and I, and we were just being normal, you know, young children and go, starting off to school and all of those kinds of things. I don't know how and normal you were, though. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> you were also the one who cried the most. Remember, uh, Mom, you, well, I'm just teasing you a little bit. A little. <laughs> we tease each other yeah, incessantly. Whatever. I mean, even yeah, John, John. I mean, all of us. We, we, we. You know, wind him up once in a while. I mean, yeah, just like brothers yeah. and sisters. But that was Dad. Yeah. That was Dad. Yeah, that I was, didn't mean to break your. Cool. Yeah, you were okay. rolling pretty good there, but I had to break. That's it. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, Billy, you know, mom started to, you know, really pursue things, trying to get a diagnosis from Billy and, um, you know, things just weren't like they were, you know, like they are now. And, um, so, you know, she's got us, you know, you and I being normal school age children doing the things that kids our age did and played outside and going to school and making friends and all that kind of stuff. And then John is running around the house and destructive you know, behaviors and escaping and running through the yeah. neighborhood and ripping his clothes off, ripping his clothes off. Yeah. And, you oh, know, the stories um, there that the, some of those, I think we can do a whole episode uh, on those couple of years with John, John, when yeah. things got really bad. Yeah. But to uh, fast forward a little bit. So we, uh, we were from a family of four, two of that, uh, both of our brothers um, have have disabilities. John, John's diagnosis, um, exactly what is it? It was something in addition to autism. And I think I can't it was. Remember what it was, but I think when they initially diagnosed him, it was just um, autism, and you know, back then the labels that they had for individuals were pretty pretty harsh. We would never say the words now that they used then. But <clears throat> mostly everything was mental retardation, you right, know, um, right. and, you know, they had levels of mental retardation and it was EMR, or TMR, educably mentally retarded or trainable mentally retarded. Um, and so John was just labeled um, autistic with mental retardation. So when Billy um, started to really realize that, you know, things were up with Billy and couldn't figure out like what was going on to really push the doctors and they did a series of examinations on Billy and very callously his diagnosis to mom was Billy's going to be like John and walked out of the room and <laughs> oh, she, yeah. Was... yeah yeah and you know so my mom mom said that she stood there and said thought to herself there's no way that he's going to be like John he's not doing anything and John's destroying the house and so she said she followed the doctor out of the room and said, wait a minute, you need to explain to me what you're talking about. And the doctor said, I told you, Billy's going to be like that. You're just going to have to do the best you can do with him and hope for the best for the future. Right. Yeah. And that's how she was told. So, you know, he, they, had, they didn't even officially diagnose Billy with anything. I think then she started to seek out more specialists. And Billy ended up being diagnosed with um, cerebral palsy and severe cognitive impairments. Um, and they think that Billy's, um, you know, disability happened because when Billy was being born, um, he lost a lot of oxygen. The umbilical cord was wrapped around his um, neck twice. Right. And mom's and, legs um, were, were actually strapped together to prevent him. Yeah. And, and it, Billy had turned, it, it, yeah, he had extended turned that, that time space. that he had that Correct. cord. Right. So, you know, 1973 and the practices now, you know, that they do that they do now certainly weren't like they were then. But 
carrying your head curved face up and most babies are born face down. And and so instead of, you know, emergency delivery, they just tried to get Billy to turn face down again. And by doing so, they, you know, strapped my mom's leg to, or strapped my, I keep saying my mom, she's your mom too. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, it's, it takes a little yeah. while to adjust how you speak when you yeah. do this kind of thing. You're fine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so when Billy was born, he had suffered tremendous loss of oxygen during the birthing process. So they think that's probably where Billy's um, brain damage, um, you know, had had probably happened then. So, you know, lightning struck twice in the same place. And, and there's still to this day in Gosh, there's so much to tell. And, um, you know, uh, now one of the things that has triggered this were was uh, of us doing this podcast. I mean, I've had an idea about it for quite some time. And then you expressed interest. And is that now we uh, both of our parents are gone. Dad died a long time ago in 92, very young. Uh, we've both outlived him now. He was 46. And yeah. Mom died uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, she was 69. So here we are um, now as uh, you are the primary caregiver. John, you know, lives a couple miles away. And boy, there's a lot to talk about in between about the good memories, the bad memories, the things that help shape us into who we are, you know, being siblings and what mom and dad did with... uh, the organization Agape, which we haven't even got there that, uh, yet, but we will. But I thought one way to 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 kind of kick this off and to share mom's perspective were her own words here, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get through this without getting emotional. I have recorded part of this before in a video there for John John, but not the whole thing. Mom began writing a book, and um, she... Well, she's got about nine chapters into it, and just I think it was it was so difficult for her. Um, we did some audio recording, which I had, which I have dug out, which will bring some things into other episodes. I thought maybe in our next episode, Laura, we could uh, play some of the audio that I recorded with Mom with uh, her last visit to Nashville. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've listened to him recently, and, you know, she was working on the book in an audio way. I, I kind of got, we got a couple couple hours, not nowhere near finishing it, but you know what? We can finish this, and this is how we're going to do it. But I right. thought that it was going to be, I thought it would be a good way to open up with um, what mom wrote the day John John um, moved out and moved into uh, his group home in November of 2005. Mm-hmm. And that was the kickoff to mom writing. And she did this, she really wrote beautifully. And uh, I so wish she would have finished the book. But um, I think she got as far as she could and that she needed to, you know? Right, right. And um, it was really hard for mom. It was really hard for mom to relive, you know, those really difficult years. And we kind of touched base on when the diagnosis happened. And it just, mom's life unraveled. 
you know, in a matter of a year and a half, and everything that she had hoped and dreamed for changed significantly. And so it was really hard to relive that for her because, you know, it just, it brought back, it was like really opening up wounds again. And, And so, you know, I think that, when I stop and think about that, and you know, I think about how it impacted mom and dad and parents. You know, I, I I think what drew me to doing something like this was that, you know, how it impacted you and I. And I really thought about siblings, and you know, I and how can we help individuals who have siblings that are impacted by disabilities? Well, right. first of all, you're <clears throat> you're certainly not alone. You know, and and there's going to be topics that we're going to talk about that will you're going to relate to. We hope um, we're going to try to make you laugh. We're going to try to, you know, make you see the beauty in your sibling, even through the pain, because there is pain yeah. sometimes. And so, you know, and and so going back over to what you said, you know, mom, the day John moved into the group home, I was there. I was there with her, right. and, uh, and so that's I right here. Well, remember this well yep. that's a good launch to read this. Let's read Mom's words, and then mm-hmm. we'll chat a little bit more and uh, talk about some subjects that we're going to discuss in upcoming episodes, some pretty hardcore stuff like uh, John John and um, his sexuality and what he's going through there. We've had some pretty uh, pretty intense stuff recently with that, and uh, also how John John grieves. Um, right. I, you know, Billy, not that we're going to leave him out of this, but Billy is um, basically right at the level of a, of a toddler still. His whole world is um, Sesame Street, hamburgers, McDonald's, yep. and us. And uh, that's that's pretty much where Billy's at. It, I'm glad to see, you know, he's had a very, very severe seizure disorder for the majority of his life. Um they seem to have subsided as of late, but uh, it's caused him a lot of problems, and that's why Billy yeah. went into the group home so early because, I mean, literally we pulled him out of a pool and revived him together. And, yeah, that's uh, it, going it to be a, a whole to topic point. someday. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> That'll be a show. I mean, right. you and I have so many ideas and so many things to share. You know, we're 49 and 50 now, and we just kind of taking, you know, maybe call us midlife, but we're turning around and looking backwards and going, Wow. Yeah. You know, and I think that just became just a, a thing on both of our hearts that we we have something to say, you know, and, and not that but we just have stuff to share and we just wanna share it, you know, and and as difficult as things were, there was there were some really awesome things that happened in our life and, oh, yeah. and lessons and, and character development things that happened because of the walk we walked. Yeah, and you know, Dad, in in the right around the same time that his brain tumor developed in 1980, we were, and and he was just dissatisfied with uh, everything with what was out there. I'm not going to get specific about the organizations he visited, um, but they decided they were going to make their own thing and you know do their own thing and start an organization. And they did that with uh, four other couples, four other people, three, two other three. couples. Yeah, two other couples that had... I'm sorry, you're right. Two couples, four people. Four people, yeah. <laughs> and Dad had this poster that he put up in in the back hallway of the house. And I can picture it. And it was uh, it said, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And these lemons yeah. were falling out of the sky and going in this guy's head. And out of his nose was lemonade. And he, he lived by that. And so when he didn't find the solution, they started something that grew and... Ended up right. as a dayhab facility, and I mean, so much to tell. But let's, I'm going to go ahead and read this, and then uh, we'll pick it up. But I don't know when the last time you've heard this, but. Um, it's been a while. It was dated, I've, I've been a while. Yeah. November 1st, 2005. It's the end of the day, a day that has been waiting to happen for over 33 years. Today, my last of four children left home. Although John didn't make the choice to move out, I made it for him. The same choice we made for his youngest brother, Bill, a little over 18 years ago. Only this time, John's dad was not around. He passed away 15 years ago, and my two older children and I made the decision. As I sit at the table in my little kitchen, the memories are flooding back again. 
All this past week, memories have returned. Some of the memories are soft and lovely like a brand new baby, and some are like a freight train roaring into my heart and sending shivers into my soul. The heaviness of those memories are still there. I chose to look at this wonderful young man smiling, but the look in his eyes was one of sadness. I have learned to read his eyes because they tell me what he is feeling. This morning, we packed up his final belongings, clothes, and all of his collections, puzzles, clocks, watch bands, old ticket stubs, CDs, tape cassettes, pictures, sports memorabilia, and someone lovingly called it John's paraphernalia. My only daughter was with me as Laura decided that she wanted to be there for John. She was able to arrange leaving work early and help move the final things. She was kind, loving, encouraging to John. I know her memories are different, but the same emotions are involved. John's older brother, Larry, who lives out of town, called and wanted to know if John was doing okay. They are all concerned, but also feel that the decision is right and timely. As his siblings, they know most intimately who John is, what he needs, and have been the greatest older brother and sister any family member could have. Many people were interested in what was happening today. Our church family, friends, other family members all expressed smiles, tears, and words of encouragement on this important day. John has made an impact on many lives. His presence is a walking miracle from God and people recognize it. They don't have to know his story. They see it in his eyes, feel it from his touch, and hear it in his soft voice. John has many struggles daily. He is plagued by having one foot in his world and one foot in the real world. John wants what everyone desires, but can't always express it appropriately by his words or actions. And sometimes those things sadly get him into trouble. John needs guidance, direction, and daily oversight and he needs reminders in many basic things. Yet John lifts the spirit in a way few men can. He has an endearing smile, many funny little ways, and some interests that have made him infamous in our circle of people. He is blessed by, beyond measure by our Lord, yet his mantle is to be who he is in spite of what he cannot understand. So he smiles and can empathize with the best and worst of people, he doesn't judge. He doesn't inquire about your past or your future. John accepts you without conditions and no hindrance of rational thinking. Wow. <laughs> well, I got through it. Yeah. What that's well, I'm right. <laughs> Very yeah. <simply. laughs> yeah, that sums it up to a T because. You know, one of the most beautiful things about John is the fact, Mom, Mom described it perfectly, is that he has, um, he accepts people without condition. Right. He doesn't care about what your past is or what you do, you know, or what you don't do. Or He just is happy to meet you and just accepts you and loves you almost instantly. Um, and that's one of the really, really beautiful things about John because, you know, um, it's not always so easy for, you know, dad used to say, I don't you know if you remember this, but I remember dad used to say that we were the ones with disabilities, yeah. people that, you know, because we look with judgment and we look with, you know, expectations from someone else or, or, you know, um, we have conditions on relationships yeah, and exactly. John and, and Billy and anybody with a disability, they have no conditions. They have no expectations. They just are your friend. They are your, you know, they just want to be your friend, your buddy. Um, and they don't care if you have a bad hair day or if you are overweight or if you are, you know. Um, or color your just, skin, they, what you believe in music. Skin, nothing, none of it nothing. matters. Yeah. They don't care. It doesn't matter to them. No. So it's really a beautiful thing. And so... You know, I remember that day vividly of taking John over to the group home, and, and um, it was really emotional. It was right. just really emotional. And it was like, you know, looking at the culmination of his life, he was 33, um, you know, and so he was home with mom the longest. So I think it was the hardest for mom, you know, right. because 
she had, you know, through the, you and I did our thing, went off and did what, you know, adults ultimately do in the world. And um, Billy was placed at such a young age. He was 14 when he moved into the group home. And it was because of his, his just tremendous round the clock needs and care that he needed. And his seizures were so difficult that mom and dad and dad was slowly dying and mom knew it. Um, and so she knew that if she didn't do something quickly, um, that, you know, if dad had passed away, that she was going to be, you know, completely overwhelmed and, and so they, they placed Billy very at a very young age. It was very difficult for mom to put her baby in a group home right. at such a young age. But John lived at home for 33 years. So, you know, mom's focus, you know, has always been all of us kids. I mean, she we were her life. Um, and, you know, but John and Billy's needs sometimes, you know, were just so great. And then after dad died, John just kind of clung on to mom very hard and didn't, um, you know, it was just, it, it took a long time to build him up to that moment. And it was just a real, um, it was the right decision, but it was the, it was the hardest and worst decision I think mom ever had to make. I, I remember a lot too, even though I was here. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. You're in Buffalo, New York, by the way. Yeah. I don't even yep. know if we established that. I've been, um, I was involved a little bit here in Nashville when I first got here before I was, my business was full time and I'm DJing and doing um, production work and uh, worked at some group homes and worked at an agency here. I managed a group home, uh, three of them here for a while and left that after my back surgery. Uh, late '04, and you've been—you were in the middle of going to school at the time, right? To get your master's yeah. teaching. I started, um, you know, I, way back when, before I had children. I started my degree in nursing, um, and then took a long pause while I raised my children and stayed home with them. I was blessed to be able to do that, um, but then, you know, completely switched gears and realized that my calling, you know, and. and as hard as sometimes we say, well, I don't want to, I, you know, there was part of me that was, I don't want to do this because I've grown up with it and I just want to do something different. But realizing, you know, as I got older, that my calling truly was because of our background that I, you know, um, began to pursue a degree in education. And so I graduated in December of 03 with my undergraduate. And then I graduated in December of 08 with my master's in special education. So I have been, um, working as a special education teacher since um, January of '04, um, and so it's been an incredible, it's the most incredible, rewarding career. So, you know, kind of, I, I it, it just feels like home, you know. And and so I, I just took the the um, the background that I had and the love that I have for individuals with disabilities and just made a career out of it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm black. How many uh, do really you have in your class this year? You just went back to school, right? Yep, yeah. yep. Um, I teach a classroom of individuals with um, you know more severe disabilities, so I can have a maximum of twelve in my classroom this year. I have nine, um, and they, their disabilities range from autism to Down syndrome, to just you know cognitive impairment, multiple disabilities. Um, so. Um, you know, focus of my program is life skills. Um, so we begin to, when they, I, I get the younger kids when they come up from the middle school. Um, so I teach at the high school level. And so when they come up to me, we begin to prepare them for um, work skills so that by the time they're getting closer to graduation, we place them in a work study program so that they are employable because you know, one of the beautiful things about our society and the progression that we've made, we've got a long way to go, but we've come a long way in, in terms of acceptance and um, integration to yeah, integration yeah. into society is that, you know, individuals with disabilities can hold employment on various levels. Yeah, so I was that's a job coach. Of, I did it for quite yeah. a while, and it was actually really neat to see, you know, if you were able to get a job for an individual with his whatever their thing was that they enjoyed and you, you were able to match that up. They, the most dependable, best workers <laughs> anywhere. I mean, one of yeah, your students yeah. works at a hotel and 
Yep. Um, I mean, we got a lot of really cool things to get into. And as we wrap up our first episode, I think um, our goal is uh, to reach out again and, and, and we're going to have guests on the program. We're going to uh, have Gordon Spiller, Pastor Gordon Spiller, who was one of mom and dad's early intervention mentors and helped develop Agape and I mean, knew, know the, he knows our family intimately since the 80, 81, and a uh, long time. So uh, right. we've invited him on an upcoming episode just to share a little bit and as we uh, establish the, the foundation of this new podcast and want to hear from you. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are or whoever you are. Um, we're going to uh, set up some things ahead of time and pre-record a lot of different guests and, of course, tell tons of stories. I mean, there there are so many stories. I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. this is, uh, remember how mom and dad always talked about, you know, about a movie coming out about mm-hmm. our family, and it was going to be yeah. John Goodman that played dad. Yeah. And uh, Meryl Streep that played mom, because yeah. they both, re- <laughs> kinda but that was 25 years ago. Yeah. They didn't, we didn't, yeah. If that's the case, we got to get moving. They're getting on up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be hard to make them look 30 years old again, but. Yeah, this could be a movie. It would make a good story, a good mini series. Yeah. I think. I don't know. There's there's just a lot of things. Like even just as young, you know, as us being young and bringing, you know, getting into the dating years, bringing our girlfriends. I had yeah. a couple girls run out of the house, and, yeah, and the I first have, time I your husband them. Vince, he's been phenomenal uh, with with John and Billy over the years. But he he thought John John was Billy the first time he came to pick you up for yeah. a date, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he thought, yeah, I, you know, people, there's always, yeah. So yeah. you know, you as siblings will understand that sometimes you have to prep your, you know, friends and your boyfriends and girlfriends about, you know, your not so typical family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so you know, you have to, you know, just so you know, I have two brothers with disabilities, and you know, one has a pretty severe seizure disorder. So if he happens to have a seizure when you're there. Don't worry, we've got it under control. And my other brother has autism, and he makes funny noises and says funny things. But you know, he um, he he's pretty friendly. But you know, he kind of just don't be alarmed if he makes noises. And you know, so the first time my husband picked me up, yeah, he I had you know given him the quote warning. Yeah, he gave him those when, pow, pow, pow. John John was you know, yeah, John, just out with real to, weird stuff. He just took, you know, syllables of words and, you know, accelerated them and accentuated them by, you know, he would say, Grandpa, pa, pa, pa. And yeah, he would say pop. it repeatedly. <laughs> like he's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, you know, the first time my husband ever walked in to pick me up when we were, um, we had just started dating and he picked me up at my house. And um, John did that sitting at the kitchen table and, and uh, he thought, he thought John was Billy and he thought that was Billy having a seizure. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we just kind of went about our thing yeah, and did our thing we and didn't nuts. pay any attention to it. <laughs> he and we he thought, just... he said it, yeah, he said he thought at that moment, like, oh my God, this family isn't even helping this poor person that's having a seizure. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we got out in the car and he looked at me and he said, can I ask you a question? Did your brother have a seizure? And I, I was like, I, I didn't see it. Did he have a seizure? And he goes, well, he was sitting at the table and all of a sudden he started throwing his head back, making noises. And I burst out <laughs> laughing. And I said, that was John. That was John was just being Billy. John, John. Yeah, he acted he like that all noises. the time. He didn't even, yeah. didn't even think yeah. twice about it. He'd be going, pow, 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 or bah, 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 Yeah, You know, all that stuff. and you know, just crazy noises. And you know, the funny thing about it at that is, is, you know, like when he's with us, like, hey, say, Laura, say that. You know, Laura, say, blah, 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 blah. And if you yeah. do it, you know, it's funny. We all laugh. And you're like, wow, you know, that that felt pretty good. He's on to something yeah. there, you know. <laughs> if we do that in public, they're going to look at us like, but, I mean, and that's kind of how we developed and how we roll. And I'm really looking forward to some of these other episodes. Some are going to be real tough. Um, we, yeah. we discussed uh, we're going to do an entire show on John John and his sexuality, which uh, we just – over the last few years, we've had some things to deal with on that. And then mm-hmm. um, how John John grieves is really interesting, too. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's intense, and uh, but we're going to do a whole subject on that, and I'd like to get some other professionals on and 
by the next time we have our episode, we will have all the social media set up and we'll be able okay. to give it to you. And actually, uh, probably what we'll do here, Laura, is I'll edit it in. So, you know, I'm going to act like yeah. we have one already. So mm-hmm. uh, start following us on Facebook and uh, we'll give you all of those links here at the end of the show and get in touch with us. Share it if you know a family member uh, that has a, even if it's a cousin, anyone, you don't have to be a brother or a sister. Um, or if you just, you're interested in the subject, share it with someone, uh, listen. And our goal is to uh, learn from others and, and kind of share our experiences and see where it goes from there, I guess. Right, Laura? I mean... Yeah, I think that, you know, when we talked about starting to do this, that, you know, one of the things that had been, you know, placed on my heart, and I think that, you know, something that really started to occupy my thoughts was, you know, after mom died, um, you know, and I, and mom and I had set up guardianship, um, you know, with John and Billy, and so that it would be a smooth transition when she passed away, because she always knew that. the boys would need oversight. And and even though I'm the legal guardian on paper, Larry, you're very involved and you're very reliable and you assist in making decisions. But the the reason for my name being on paper was that I lived in town. Yeah, you're Um, a couple miles away. I understand. Right, right. So, you know, Mom and I set this up, you know, years ago so that the transition would be easy. So I think through my grieving process after losing Mom was assuming a new role you know, two-year-olds, really, with Donna Billy and and navigating that in my life, um, in my own life, you know, with I have a husband, I have three children, I have a career, and then all of a sudden now I'm responsible for Donna Billy, That's or correct. we are responsible yeah. for as their caregivers. And so, you know, I really started to think about the, the, um, the family dynamic of... Um, you know, a family that ha- that is impacted by disabilities and what happens, how, what, you know, a sibling's place, where do we, where do we fit in and how does this all impact us? And I started to really think about even just my task as a special educator and supporting moms and dads and families in general, but a lot of the focus goes to mom and dad because they're the ones that at that young age that are providing the care. And it really took me back in my thoughts to, you know, being a younger child and being a cut or being a, um, uh, um, being a, you know, just being a married woman and being a teenager and, and how there was no, I don't ever remember anyone looking at us and saying, so how are you doing? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I hate that that sounds so, um, it sounds so self absorbing and like you know I don't mean it to sound that way like it like like oh well you know woe is me that's not what I mean what I mean is is that there's a whole dynamic and and the older we're getting and I'm looking back and thinking boy we just kind of had to fall in line you know and and so my hope through this podcast is that we can kind of explore the family dynamic a little bit and everybody's roles and and relationships in the family and how we um, what roles we take on as siblings and, um, we want to make you laugh. You know, we want to make you realize that it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling sometimes because there are feelings that are brought into this relationship with your family when you have an individual, individual with disabilities in your home. Um, and it's okay to feel the feelings that you're feeling. And there are, you know, just so many things that I thought, there's a whole mass of people out there that are impacted by, you know, that have siblings and I just want to help them because I know where they're at. And so, you know, maybe it was just assuming this, I guess, final role in John and Billy's life really has kind of impacted my thought process. And I thought there's got to be something we need to help people that have siblings and, and, you know, just, just reach out to them and just say, Hey, we get you, you know? And, and, um, I know so many, you know, I've met so many students through along the way that, you know, maybe kids that were in my class or, you know, just multiple kids I can think of through the years that, you know, were, were in our role that had siblings with disabilities and, and, you know, and I see their faces and I, 
I just feel like I can, I can relate to them and I understand them Mm -hmm. and I understand them well, you know? So, you know, our hope really is to just provide you with maybe some resources, you know, we'll find some things along the way that we can provide to you as tools, um, whether it be books or TV shows or other podcasts or anything that we can give you for, um, you know, support and then just share with you some of our experiences and make you laugh. Some will make you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, someday when we share the episode, on, on an episode when we share the day that Billy drowned. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, oh, that's, so, that's, I mean, there's so much. So, yeah, so much. much. I mean, this. So much. This will be, uh, but this is a good. Th- I'm, I'm really excited about it too, and uh, we will. The next episode, we're going to dig into grief, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for someone in quote saying normal to go through grief, but John, John, um, boy, sometimes I, my heart was aching for him, and then there were times like, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking about this today. I can't. I can't be where he's at. He's crying, calling up crying and became kind of a habitual thing for a while. He seems to be doing better actually the last several months, but, um, dad, it was 10 years. He cried every single night. Yeah. Um, every single night (laughs) at seven 30 and just like, Oh, was it? Well, I I think it shifted over the years for a while. It was, yeah. And, uh, that's John John's thing is, talking about time he is carries around bags of watches and um i actually got some really good news i can't do it on the podcast yet but got some really good news about taking john john to see uh as far as alaska i thought it was just going to end up in california but um america well i can't say yet i gotta wait i gotta wait till i get the but but that's going to happen um this winter we're we're going to do uh take john to see Pacific time. I have taken him to see mountain time. I had him in Denver. We'll talk mm-hmm. about him and John, John and traveling, uh, yeah, traveling, traveling. His, his he does it independently and I've taken him to Florida. I've taken him to, to Denver and uh, I've done a couple of really cool trips with them. And, uh, oh, yeah, just his so favorite funny. thing ever oh, is gosh. time zones and geography and travel. Yeah. And just places in the world, but oh, my gosh. specifically the United States, you know, he's yeah. really interesting in all the places and time zones of the United States. And, I mean, you know, his, being... his, his biggest thing in the, is to, I mean, even if he just got off a plane in Arizona, South Mountain Time, you know, and then went to saw, he would literally get off the plane, look at a clock, get back on, and go to the next one. He, he'd like it to do yeah. it that way. But uh, yeah. we've been, I've been working on something for, gosh, almost a year now. And I had to put it on hold for a few months, but I'm glad I did because... Now um, I've got a connection with a major airline that uh, is even going to take this up a notch. So uh, we'll get into that on the next episode. But thank you so much for listening to A Not-So-Typical Life. Um, I'm going to go back to being a WG and wrapping up. I actually have a a DJ event out of town tomorrow I need to prep for. And uh, Laura, I know it's way past your bedtime. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, I'm usually in bed by 10. Yeah. Larry and I are very, very, we're different. Best of friends, but we're very opposite. Oh, um, yeah. I go to bed early. He goes to bed late. I get up early. He gets up late. So we have a rule like no calling. I can't yeah. call you before 10 a.m. Yeah. You can't usually call yeah. me past 10 p.m. Yeah. Um, and, Which actually, you know, see, we're late now because it's 10 o'clock yeah. where you're at. Right. Well, it's an hour behind where yeah. you are. So there, <laughs> Central so. time. <laughs> We're okay. <laughs> so the the next thing I think we're, we're I have a couple of recordings of John um, going through the grief. So we're going to get some statistics and, and kind of uh, you know learn a little bit about how what the statistics are and and how uh, people with developmental disabilities experience grief or work through it. But you know Billy still asks for mom. Like where's mom? Go get mom. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. even we don't we're not even sure where he is if he completely understands what's happened. Yeah, you it's know, really it's, hard because when you see him, so he's, severe. You know, yeah, the first question he asks, though, is where's mom? Yeah, where's mom? And, you know, since, interestingly, you know, I think there's so much more going on in Billy's mind that we'll ever know, and someday we'll know when we go to heaven. And I just wait for that day because I know that someday I'm going to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Billy, and I just can't wait to hear the things he, he knew and understood, but 
um, you know, since mom has gone, he has been bringing up um, every time I visit with him, you know, and I usually try to get to Billy at least once a month, um, sometimes more if I can, maybe twice a month, but I try to get to him at least once a month. But he's been bringing up dad, um, dad grandma, grandma and grandpa, grandma yeah. and grandpa and aunt Vi. 20 years, oh yeah. yeah. Lots yeah, of members that have been bring, gone a long time. Yeah, just bringing up yeah. family members that have been gone for a very, very long time. And, you know, sometimes he and he's been, you know, really interestingly, very vocal lately and just saying things. And one of the members of his group, one of the, uh, not members, um, one of the staff members of his group home uh, told me that she's convinced that Billy's visited by angels because of the, of some of the things he does when he's sitting in a chair and he starts yeah. laughing and he says he feels like, That's cool. you know, he just, yeah. And so, you know, he looked at me just recently and, and asked me, you know, he was in the middle of eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's and just said in his tracks and looked at me and said, did you see grandma? And grandma was mom. Yeah. Grandma was, you know, mom's mom. He had names for everybody. So grandma was mom's mom. And, and I looked at him and I said, did you see grandma Bill? And he just pointed up with his finger up in the, in the air and said up in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. So, you that, know, so that's amazing. Just, so we'll dabble into yeah. grief a little bit, but, uh, well, uh, we, I don't know. This was pretty cool. Laura, I liked where this went the first time here. And, um, I'm glad I got through reading that without blubbering to death. And it was just still, <laughs> it's emotional, but looking forward to digging into this and seeing where it goes. And if you like this, hit the like button really hard in your whatever podcast app that you're listening to us on. We're on every Spotify, Apple podcasts, Podbean, Buzzsprout. We're on them all. Search for a not so typical life with Larry and Laura. Our friends and family, if you could, um, you know, spread the word that, you know, anybody that you know that has, that's impacted by disabilities, um, just share with them that we're embarking on this adventure and our hope is to help as many people as we can and to just listen and, you know, it'd be great if people, you know, started listening regularly. Oh yeah. I think we will. We, we, we'll see where this goes. Well, thanks for staying up past your bedtime and yeah, we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll wrap it up from a word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening. Not so typical life. All right, Laura, we'll talk soon. Sounds good.